He's pulling his cock out. He's pulling his cock out? He's pulling his cock out. He's pulling his cock out. He's pulling his cock out. Now your turn. He's pulling his cock out. And here's to the beginning. Oh, <laughs> Why, Johnny Ringo. Okay. I know exactly what I'm doing, and I can change it at any time. I'm your huckleberry. Incoming the Rambling Podcast with your hosts, Conway Titty and Stoney Robbins. Howdy, hey, cowpokes, and welcome back to another episode of the Ramblin' Podcast. I'm your host, Conway Titty. Joined with me is... Stony Robbins. Stony Robbins. Robbins of Stony. And we are back again, piercing your ear holes with another episode. This time, we are continuing our Sexual Deviance of History series, which honestly is a lot of fun. Um, it's really... Kind of crazy to get to know the in-depths of fetishes, kinks, situations that a lot of world-renowned humans have, um, especially ones that are in the 1800s, 1700s. Anything that is early is just a whirlwind of information, and today's episode is... No short of whirlwinds. Holy fuck. While I was doing this research topic, um, it gets crazy, Sony. It gets pretty crazy. How crazy does it get? <laughs> well, you guys are just going to have to wait to find out. But uh, as always, we appreciate you guys tuning in and listening to us. I hope you guys enjoyed our high school series that we just got done with last week. We did freshman, ju- or freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior year. Each has their own episode, um, and they're quite lengthy. Uh, me and Stoney tell a bunch of stories and reminisce on high school days that we wish. Uh, now we don't have to think about it anymore, you know? Just now. Correct. We, Correct. We, we don't did ever that. have to think about high school ever again. We did that, talked about it, and now we don't have to bring it up anymore. But I do enjoy moving on to um, different series and a research episode is always like a script slash research episode is always uh, a little easier on Stoney and I, especially on Stoney's big brain over there. Um, All he has to do is read. And sometimes it's a little difficult, but it's not as hard as him having to think and then be like, I don't know what to talk about. I feel like I do better on these ones anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think you do too. I think they're, I just think they're more fun. They're always interesting topics, but uh, this one's pretty crazy. So today we are going to be talking about Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. If you guys don't know who that is, you probably lived on a rock or you didn't get very much education or just you don't exist as a human because he's basically why music is so good today is literally because of this person. And we are going to dive deep into um, Mozart's crazy fetish, fetishes, I should say, and kinks and sex stories and just his art and music in general. So if you're not into any of that type of shit, feel free to just skip this episode. Other than that, sit back, relax, and enjoy as we dive into... Mr. Mozart and his Mr. Mozart. Mr. Mozart and his just his craziness. Sony has not really read this either, so he's gonna be like, what the fuck? Along with you guys. As always, I like to give you guys sources. Um, I'm not just pulling this out of my ass and making shit up. Um, I do try to cite as much as possible. So our sources today are Britannica, the classical music biographies. The Opera Phila, Mozart's Scatological Disorder by Benjamin Simkin, and the American Psychological Association. So we wait a wait to kind of give it away a little bit. We have that's a little sneaky peek, um, but we have a quite a extensive research um, amongst most historians too. This isn't a lot of the the topics we're going to be talking about today. Uh, 
is well known by historians, especially musical historians or uh, historians of the 1600s and 1700s. Um, it's quite a common theme, I should say. Um, and we'll go ahead and dive right in. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, an Austrian composer, also known as Johannes Christosimus Wolfgang Amadeus Theophilus Mozart. That is his full name, and that is an absolute mouthful. And trying to read someone who has multiple middle names is always difficult because honestly, why? Why do you need to have a trillion things in between your first and last name? It's very annoying on birth certificates and literally any other documentation. Why, why do we need that? Well, a lot of it's all honorifics and honoring certain people that are dead because you have my name, your dad's name, your mom's name, well, your bad. Too, too bad. cousin's name. Too bad. You get, you get three, maybe four max. Yeah. Anything Otherwise, over that's kind of insane. God dang. Imagine Six trying names. A, a kid Six. trying to say all that. Holy yeah, shit. Imagine trying to have to learn how to spell that. <laughs> Christosimus, really? Christosimus. Johannes Christosimus Wolfgang Amadeus Theophilus Mozart. And we're probably saying half of it wrong anyway. Who no, cares? I looked at the pronunciation. I did practice. I did Amadeus! Practice. Guys, I did practice. Um, There's a so reason why they, pe people only say three of his names. Very true. So that, that is technically his like uh, baptized full name. His Christian so, like, name. Technically, so Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart is like how everyone knows him, but that full name is his like baptized religious name that he goes fully by. Uh, but anyways, he is widely recognized as one of the greatest composers in the history of Western music and was arguably the most gifted musician in the history of classical music. His inspiration is often described as divine but he worked as studiously not only to become the great composer he was, but also as a conductor, a virtusio, a pianist, an organist, and a violinist. Okay. Not only with his long-ass name, he has a million other um, bells and whistles that he can do. He has so much that he has um, and is known for. It's kind of crazy that it's, his name does match his uh, abilities. Um, and it's his story. If you guys, like I said, we're, if you don't know anything about Mozart, you're learning today with us. Um, but it is, it is a, an extraordinary kind of one, one in a million person. I mean, there was composers throughout all the centuries. I mean, you know, music's growing and becoming, um, its own thing, but just, it's insane how pr prominent, uh, Mozart became even uh, at such a young age. So Mozart's music embraces the opera, uh, symphony, concerto, chamber, choral, and like instrumental. Uh, most of it kind of deals with vocal music, but a lot of his music really kind of sticks uh, to just instrumental. Um, and he would also, while he was doing all the composing, he made certain music for certain people who had certain voices and like there's just like a huge you can go i mean people do entire degrees just on you know even just classical music but i know people that have do their entire senior thesis and a bunch of other things strictly on mozart because it is such an he's such an in-depth character um but he has released such an, an astonishing number of um Basically, they are masterpieces. They are considered masterpieces. Um, and he's composed over 600 works, uh, which includes some of the most famous and loved pieces of symphonic, chamber, and operatic, and choral music. So most of the stuff that I'm sure that if you've gone an opera or heard classical music, it's Mozart first. I know Beethoven's up there and Bach's really up there, but Mozart is like king of them all. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart was born on January 27, 1756, in the Archbishopric of Salzburg, now known as Austria. Mozart was born into a musical family. His father, Leopold, came from the family of good standing, from which he was estranged, which included architects and bookbinders. Leopold was the author of a famous violin-playing manual, 
which was published in the very year of Mozart's birth. His mother, Anna Marie Pertle, was born of a middle-class family active in local administration. Mozart and his sister Maria Anna were the only two of their seven children to survive. That's also insane. This is we we talked about this with Benny Frank. Yeah, yeah, it's around that time where you just have eight kids and hopefully two of them live. (laughs) What was Benny Frank was like thirteen, right? He had thirteen. Yeah, like one of one of thirteen or something. One of thirty-seven or whatever. This 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 is before, so like Benny Frank's like a full adult by this time too. Um, So yeah, one of like thirteen children. So yeah, this is also two of seven to survive. Fucking seventeen yeah, hundreds childbirth, God. Then just be fucking. Well, what else are they to do? They needed kids yeah. to work. Oh, there's no <laughs> lights. As soon as the sun goes down, you just fuck, I guess, and fuck. sit by candlelight. <laughs> Apparently, the boy's early talent for music was remarkable. At three, he was picking out chords on his harpsichord. At four, playing short pieces. By the age of five, he could read and write music. And he would entertain people with his talents on the keyboard. By the age of six, he was writing his first compositions. Mozart was generally considered to be a rare musical genius. In 1762, Leopold presented his son as performer at the Imperial Court in Vienna, Austria. And from 1763 to 1766, he escorted both children on a continuous musical tour across Europe, which included long stays in Paris, France, and London, England as well as visits to many other cities with appearances before the French and English royal families. Mozart was the most famous celebrated child prodigy of his time as a keyboard performer. He also made a great impression as a composer and improviser. In London, he won the admiration of musician Johann Christian Bach, and he was exposed from a very early age to an unusual variety of musical styles and tastes across Europe. Around this time, too, it was Johann Sebastian Bach, which was the son of Johann Christian Bach. Um, He's also a very well-known musician, I guess, and composer, uh, whatever you want to call them. Um, And him and Mozart were very much kind of not together, but they were there around the same time. And then you also have Beethoven, which is... Beethoven at this time is older. So while Mozart's, like, fucking five and pulling out these insane masterpieces at that age, uh, Beethoven's in, like, his 30s or 40s or something like that already, and he's uh, super jealous. If you guys have never seen the movie Amadeus, it's a really good movie. I know it's, like, three fucking hours long, but it's so worth it. It's one of it's in my top movies for sure. It's it's such a good movie to watch, um, but it really plays into that um, jealousy a lot, and you'll get to know more of the kind of character that Mozart was personality-wise because it's very on point and quite accurate. So from the age of 10 to 17, Mozart's reputation as a composer grew to a degree of maturity equal to that of most older established musicians. Uh, Beethoven, for what I was, uh, as an example that I was talking about. Um, He spent the years from 1766 to 1769 at Salzburg writing instrumental works and music for the school dramas in German and in Latin, which is also crazy. You think about it. This kid is writing these insane musical, just unheard of music, right? Just unfucking heard of And he's also writing it in, like, multiple languages. In 1768, he produced his first real operas, the German Singspiel, that is uh, with spoken dialogue, Bastien und Bastan. Despite his growing reputation, Mozart found no suitable post open to him and his father once more escort once more escorted mozart um away so at the age of 14 in 1769 they set off for italy to try and make his way um as like an opera composer um however paris was vastly a larger theater for mozart's talents so this was a big step from just playing for kind of uh like royal courts and uh, mainly staying in Vienna. This is like their first jump in traveling. 
His father urged him to go there for, quote, from Paris, the fame of a man of great talent echoes through the whole world. And around this time, Paris was really a huge hub for cultural experiences, whether it be fashion or um, baking and cooking and music, especially music. So Paris was like the place to be. But after nine difficult months in Paris, from March 1778 to January 1779, Mozart returned once more to Salzburg. Having been unable to secure a foothold, and he was super depressed by the entire experience, um, which also included the death of his mother pretty much in the middle of his stay in Paris. So that kind of really just, I mean, would put a hinder in anybody's um, confidence and abilities. And like, that's just a big upsetting life experience. Um, moment too so unable to get hired for an opera he wrote music to order um, in Paris Um, and again mainly for wind instruments also if we ever pronounce anything wrong just know a lot of this is like French and German and Latin and And Austrian and Austrian and we are not fluent at any of this so bear with us so the Sinfonia Concentrante the four solo wind instruments, and an orchestra, the concerto for the flute and harp and other chamber music, and the ballet music, Les Petits Rennes. That's all, that's like, that's so much. And like I said, he's he's barely 17 at this point. He's like getting there. You know what I mean? He's just, he's not, uh, he's not in his 30s or 40s like, you know, some of these other composers and like everyone's being so mind blown by this because he is a one in a million. Creator. Yeah, I mean, this dude's like 17. It's and crazy. he's, you know, writing things that are considered some of the greatest pieces in in history. Yeah, literally. What do we? It's a what do we? What do we? Mozart is, uh, what do we kind of the best musician of all? He's. He's he's great. Literally. <laughs> In addition, he began giving lessons um, to make money, whether it was his... I don't even know. Imagine getting lessons from Mozart, but not only that, it's like, hmm, which lessons do you want to go for? Because he plays, like, every single fucking instrument. That's true. Then, in August 1782, he married Constance Weber. The Mozarts' marriage seemed to be a happy one. Constance was easy-going, free-spending, and usually pregnant. Only two of their six children survived. Ah, yeah, once again, let's just be pregnant the entire time we know each other. And um, also in the the Amadeus movie, um, like I said, it is a good movie. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It is quite entertaining and very well done um you get to see more of their relationship and a lot of historians kind of focus on his his art and his music in general and leave out a lot of the details of his uh like marriage and how his wife did his wife had such we don't really talk much about it uh for the rest of the episode but his wife had such a big art in his music and his relationship with his father and getting mozart to become the greatest composer ever like he was already has his own abilities but his wife really helped him like stay on focus and not be distracted by his uh horrible dad that like never uh pretty much uh never saw him as great anymore he kind of just ignored him and she saw through like uh, beethoven's jealousy and a bunch of other stuff like yeah like i said watch the movie it's really it's really well done now that we've at least given you guys somewhat of a detailed portion of Mozart's life. Um, Let us dive into why we chose Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart to be in our Sexual Deviants of History series. Mozart had many fetishes like any other human in the world, but I'm going to let Stoney start into this and tell you why we picked him and why he's so fun to talk about when it comes to uh, sex and sexuality and the kind of life experience that was in the 1700s, much uh, uh, like how Benny Frank was during his time as well. Mozart had a scatological disorder. According to the American Psychology Association, scatologia is defined as the preoccupation with obscenities, lewdness, and filth, mainly of an extramental nature. 
The term is derived from the Greek word for dung. In psychoanalytic theory, scatologia is usually associated with anal eroticism, also called scatology. Basically, it's an obsession with poop. So with all that fancy shit being said, this dude just liked poop. Uh, let's just call it what it is. Poop and shit and anything to do with farting. Yeah, anything we'll with get the into it. We'll, get, we'll get into it. In today's world of our explicit language and refined olfactory sense, the waste products and secretions of our bodies are locked in the bathroom. Although scatological elements have been found in works of some artists and authors for centuries. Undeniably, the topic of scatology has been treated in highly disparate ways, in a century where we see ourselves improved following the assumptions of linear progression and have developed some very sophisticated, analytical, and critical tools for making sense of our world, we have idealized some figures that influence this world to this day. At his 17 years of age, he had already composed 25 symphonies, and yet he also took a joy in writing repugnant jokes about excrement in some letters to friends and family and in a few recreational compositions. In 1992, Benjamin Simkin, an endocrinologist, estimated that almost 39 letters Mozart wrote to various members of the Mozart family included scatological passages. The first group of scatological letters occurred when he was 14 in 1770 after his great success of his first tour in Italy. Which is typical for a 14-year-old. Poop, farts, butt. You know, like that's... Sure. Yeah, um, I guess if you're going to... That's an age for it, if you're going to be making poo-poo jokes, like I guess. 12 and 14, right? Also to say, 39 out of 371 letters. That's still a very good percentage. Yeah. 39 letters, including lots. Not not like a little bit, but like lots. But like passages. Multiple yes. passages. <laughs> we're, we're getting to that. We're getting to that. A second, more lengthy group of letters occurred between 1777 and 1781. A quite stressful period of the composer's life as a result of his c- conflict with the Archbishop of Salzburg. Brief reemergences of scatological activity occurred in 1783 with the birth of his first child and in the spring of 1789 when he toured Berlin and other German towns for eight weeks. Throughout these letters, Mozart wrote the words shit, arse, muck, piddle, or piss, fart, arsehole, fondling, kissing, sexual fetish, echolalia, and pretty much other word games multiple times these were never just casual letters he was openly and confidently talking about his love for all things butts butts he liked butts the last blast occurred the last years of his life when he was composing his last two operas and requiem in vienna his letters to his cousin marie anna thecla mozart his cousin, let's make that emphasis on that, often called the Bessel letters, have been much researched and debated about the scatological humor and whether or not Wolfgang had sex with his cousin before he left Ossenburg in the autumn of 1777. Uh, probably. I mean, let's call it what it was. <laughs> this is the 1700s. The word cousin didn't mean shit. Hell, the word sibling barely meant anything. True. These letters abound in references to shit on the bedsheets, farts, arse licking, trips to the closet, but the language uses not only scatology as sexual references appear quite often. When Mozart could not be with his cousin in Ansberg, after he spent a pleasant two weeks with her cousin in her native town, he wrote many letters to her from Mannheim using explicit sexual and scatological languages. His first letters are sexually charged, but also light and joyful. Here is a little passage from it. Quote, So if you want to send me a reply from the town of Osberg there, then write to me in a hurry so that I will receive your letter, or else I've already been somewhat awakened instead of a letter. I'll just get muck, 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 oh muck, 
Oh, sweet word. Muck. Tasty. Also terrific. Muck. Tasty. Muck. Lick. Oh, charmante. Muck. Lick. I really like it. Muck. Tasty and lick. Tasty muck and lick muck. Now to get on to something else. During carnival time, did you really live up to it? In Onsberg, one can certainly have much better time of it than here. I really wish I were there with you, so that we could hop about together and do it right. End quote. What the fuck? Oh, shit. Literally, holy shit. Emphasis on the shit. If you guys yeah, that, didn't understand, muck, no muck, sense. Muck, muck, muck literally is poop. Muck is shit. Also, it's the 1700s, Stoney. Like, come on. Yeah, I uh, guess. This, this does make sense. Um, but yeah, muck means shit. Poop, feces, whatever you want to say. So we can listen to that back and just put muck and poop in your brain. However, sexual implications more explicit turn up elsewhere. Another letter wrote, here we go, another quote. I will then inspect your front and rear. I will take you all around and if necessary, will enfold you. The only thing I regret is that I can't stay with you. We'll fondle your arse, kiss your hands, shoot off my gun in your rear, embrace you, and fold you back and front. End quote. <laughs> shoot off my gun in your rear. God damn, I like that. I love that little... That I'm going to shoot off my face. gun. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I'm a bust a nut in your ass. <laughs> Pretty fucking much. Pretty, and he will inspect you from front to rear. Oh, he give you a full tuck and tails, huh? Oh, love it. In another letter to her, written on the fifth of November of 1777, Mozart was even coarser. All right, you guys ready for this one? This is one of my favorite ones. Here we go. <clears throat> Quote. You command that I, too, should could send you my poor shot. Eh bien, I shall mail fail it for sure. We, by the love of my skin, I shit on your nose so it runs down your chin. What? Quote. I want a picture of you, but I'll go ahead and mail it and then I'll shit down your nose. What? He bas- It basically means... I could send you a picture of myself. That's good. That sounds like a good idea. But I'll ma- if, if I mail it, it will fail and you won't get it in time. Because I need your love now. I want to poop on your face so much that it runs down your chin. That's, that's something. Basically what he means. And it concludes with... This is literally how he ended all of his letters. All right? So here we go. Quote. Well, I wish you good night, but first, shit into your bed and make it burst. Sleep soundly, my love, into your mouth, your arse, you'll shove. End quote. That's how he just ends the fucking letter. First off, he writes all that shit, and then he's like, by the way. He's like, go ahead, shit in your bed and roll around in it, please. I, wanna, I want you to shit in your bed and make it burst. And let me know how much you love your own poo-poo mm, in your poo-poo, mouth poo-poo your own, basically when he says into your mouth your your ass you'll shove it, it means when you poop you're basically putting your butt in your face because you can't really physically do that as a human dude if this guy was a monkey he'd be throwing so much poop yep, he would have done well he'd have been a great a chimpanzee just ripping people's faces off and throwing poop at him you know yep. Mozart's love for scatological humor might seem bizarre and vulgar to us today, but people claim, mainly historians, that these letters are apostolary objects emerging from well-known patterns of written and verbal practice in the 18th century, a practice of opposition and defiance not as an indulgence and infantilism, but a transgression into regions of unacceptability. This time frame it was common. It was so common to have a scat fetish. It was so common to, like we talked to Ben Frank, where Ben Frank had orgies all the time and slept with like mother and daughters. It was just, it was so common. There wasn't like this shame that we have nowadays, or we didn't, they didn't really look as like, they looked at it as part of the human body rather than, oh my God, that's 
that's only for the bathroom. You know what I mean? Yeah, they it wasn't, it, it, wasn't times really weren't as clean. Um, yeah. everything smelled a lot. There was a lot of smells during this time. Like, think about it. We didn't really know about germs or DNA. Yeah, and shit. Or... Shit was probably the the prominent people, smell. People were shitting in buckets and throwing it off balconies into rivers and into the you know basically alleyways. You know what I mean? So this was definitely a time of um. Well, I've told I wouldn't be like unheard of. I've told I mean? you the the theory about like having a scat fetish modern day and why yeah, we, we it's talked about that. more prominent in the military. We we talked about that shit all the time. Yeah, we talked about that in if you guys uh, haven't heard our fetish episodes, uh Stoney and I dive into a lot of like common fetishes, but we really dive into scat fetishes too. And basically Stoney tells the story of how his, you know his theory is that um because you're in the military and you're in these uh, porta potties, and you're in hot weather, and a bunch of stuff too. You don't really have like space to masturbate. So when you are masturbating, you are masturbating in these like stinky porta potties, and then you eventually like start coming to the smell of poop. And then yep. when you get back home overseas, you kind of need the smell of poop to come. Yep, that is a uh, that's a that's a, that's a thing. Scatological elements also appear in his music which was most likely recreational and shared with his close friends. These compositions are in the form of a canon with employment of vulgar lyrics and were meant to entertain uh, with satire of the religious and ecclesiastic dogmatism and aristocracy. He wrote songs that uncovered his special interest in analingus. Not cunnilingus, analingus. Or getting licked on the butthole for pleasure. Which is also a very common kink and uh, fetish in the world. So hashtag eat ass. <laughs> go fast, eat ass. <laughs> hashtag live fast, eat ass. Yes, there we go. One song title is "Lick Mitch in Orst," which translates to "Lick me in the ass," a German idiom for "kiss my ass." Which is, I feel, like totally two different things when you just read them. When you read lick me in the ass versus, like, kiss me in the ass. Well, it's different also because it's lick me, me, like the CH music. No, it's I'm hard not talking to, about... It's hard to... No, I'm not talking about the pronunciation. I meant, like, the actual translation from lick me in the ass to kiss my ass. Those are two totally different things to, like, us. Yeah, well, yeah, that's kiss also my ass just means, because like, that's... fuck you, and lick me in the ass is, like come lick me in the ass <laughs> yeah but it's also it's it's one of those things where it's you know it's a very uh it's situational German. yeah it's, it's a it's a yeah verbal language one line of the song reads lick me in the ass quickly quickly that's he says like uh when i was looking up the, the actual like, lyrics of it um it said that like four times in a row so like the crowds would cheer and say lick me in the ass quickly quickly lick me in the ass quickly quickly lick Love me in that. the ass quick bars yeah, exactly. Mozart even reportedly mentioned his butt-licking kink in letters to his family. According to most historians, scatological humor in the 18th century was far more public and commonplace. Performing routines common for the Italian genre of Codemel dell'arte, such as urinating, excrement throwing, placing one's buttocks in another's face, Mixing food with feces and then like telling of dirty jokes. Um, this was not unheard unheard of. Mozart living in a society that loved crude jokes and entertainment was all about howl with laughter. Um, as another person, uh Hanswurst, he was uh, very well known for like being raunchy as hell. Um, he would like eat a bunch of food, a bunch of like crazy shit. And then he would literally like shit out the food. Um, and he would like, for example, fling giant lumps of his shit, um, for fun. So this Hanswurst guy was very well known for doing that. And it was a, a comedian jester of the day, just an entertainer. But yeah, this guy was like fucking crazy. Um, just filthy, 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 raunchy as fuck. Um, and that kind of molded Mozart's character and personality. So Mozart was a fan of this Hanswurst guy. 
When the use of vulgar language was a commonplace and bodily fluids were a part of everyday games and the uh, satirizing of priests and repressive authority. Um, I also do like this part, like minus the, like, the bodily fluids and talking about farts and poop and pee. They were making fun of priests and archbishops and the pope and just religion in general. Like they were, there was a mockery about it too. And I find, I find that just great and hilarious too. So Mozart's scatological expressions in his letters and compositions reflect the degree of influence um, that uh, Hansworth <laughs> basically had over him. And it kind of uh, gave him an understanding of like what Mozart's humor was going to become. Um, and that's why it's so prominent in his art and letters and later in his like 20s and 30s. So, however, the question remains as why Mozart's behavior has upset scholars. What's possibly the most sensible analysis of the matter yet to seems to a suggestion that the quote-unquote passage of time has created an almost unbridgeable gulf between ourselves and Mozart's time, forcing us to misread his scatological letters even more drastically than his other letters, which is very simply that these letters embarrass us. They really do. And we have tried to like suppress them, trivialize them, and explain them out of its um, kind of canon with all these excuses that we can think of. Um, just the poop and the pee and the farts and the butts and the eating ass and the shitting on faces. It was so common at that time that, like, it is such an like crazy fetish to us in the 21st century when you think about it. Like, that's just, it's, it's kind of nuts, to be honest. It really is. Um, that that's such, just such a, a commonplace event um, that everyone went through, which not everyone, but like, was just, um, kind of a release for some people and Mozart being just this giant well world-renowned human creator genius has one of the quote-unquote most embarrassing fetishes and like likes um that we cannot comprehend it and so we judge these letters and we judge his art uh with the scat so hard um, and we're like, wow, that's so dumb. Why would they talk about that? Why would that be a thing? It, it doesn't make any sense. Oh, it's maybe because um, a lot of the theories at, at first, a lot of people, a lot of historians have like gone back and forth with this debate. Uh, what, what I was reading on this to, on the topic and everything, um, we're talking about, oh, maybe Mozart had Tourette's and that's why he like shit in his hand and played with his poop all the time. Maybe he had a personality disorder and maybe that and it's like, no, in reality, it's just that was the times. He just like playing with poop. <laughs> he just like farts and he just like butts. <laughs> he just liked he liked playing with poop, man. He was just uh... there was no reason. Just that's fetish. It's a thing he likes, you know. Oh, yeah. I also read that he all may have also learned it from his parents. His 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 mom and and dad had a giant also butt fetish. Oh, that's so. Like I said, it could be just commonplace. Cool. <laughs> just common, right? I guess, yeah. Hey, we like playing with poop. You should like playing with poop, too. I guess. Remember, fetishes are inherited. It's in yeah. your DNA. It's genetic. Think about that for a second, chat. <laughs> chat. Chat. <laughs> uh, Google, show me this guy's balls. Nice. Pewter. Pewter. How to get... <laughs> Pewter, show me this guy's balls, please. <laughs> Pewter, how to get to Joker's cave. Uh, unharmed. Pewter! <laughs> it's like, on. Fucking Lego Batman. Alright, continue. Mozart had a great run of success in his final years. Ein Klein Nacht Music and the Clarinet Quintet in A, three of his 41 symphonies, Cozy Fantut, three piano trios, the Coronation Piano Concerto, two piano sonatas, and three string quartets. That's a lot of shit to do in a very short amount of time. His final years. Yeah, mind you, we're saying final years. This dude died when he was 36. So Final years. <laughs> final years at 36, dude. I'd be in my final also, years right now. Not, not sure what drugs or alcohol or you know what I no, mean? No, it's not even that. It's just 
it's the 1700s and and if you cough on an infant then cholera happens i meant like how he was able to write so much oh yeah yeah well i mean you you gotta remember it's the 1700s there's fuck all to do what do you do all day but also, he just you don't sees have to it. have a job whenever you're a world famous. Not, not even that, but he he sees it in his mind, so it's it's just like it's just coming. Yeah, he, easily, he's you know? like just, he's like all those other you know, also, depictions you've seen of it, where people are literally just angrily writing music but, notes on pieces of paper, and there's paper everywhere. AKA Beethoven. But think yeah. about it though, this music doesn't exist, so he's not like copying anybody. It's not a thing. So you he's have like making unlimited, it up as he goes. Yeah, you have like unlimited fun. It's like having all of Pro Tools in Ableton in your head. You just make Accurate. the shit as you go. And you can hear it. You can hear it. You can hear it before you even put all the pieces together. You know exactly what you want it to. And I mean, that's kind of, you know, what perfect pitch is in a sense. Well, that, that's also one of the reasons why uh, Beethoven also went blind is because he was writing so much in candlelight, um, which is you know, one of the reasons. Why well, I thought it was that in the syphilis. Well, that too, but it was his, his eyesight started dwindling even more because he was only just he was constantly writing also, in only candlelight. Or no, moonlight. Then. Only in moonlight, which you're not supposed to do. So he didn't like yeah. he like had barely any light was doing it and it was just fucked his eyes. Yeah, and that's probably part of the reason why uh why Beethoven or not Beethoven, but why uh Mozart died as early as he did. Because like, you know, when you're when you die at thirty six and you spent There's your a lot of reasons, time, you know? You spend your entire time being in royal courts and you kind of like eating shit. Yeah. I mean, sort of <laughs> you put two and two together and you probably disease. had some some form of literally anything, from anything, anything could kill you back or, then. Or, you know, syphilis then. because the the royal courts were just rampant with syphilis. Not, e- not even just that, but like it, literally anything could kill you. Yeah. <laughs> fucking, like I said, you cough on a, an infant coughs on you. Yeah. A, just, a little kid. Die. A mosquito kid. bit you, and now you died from something that's been extinct the, for millions of years. Yeah, but the, the simplest uh, medicines. Some ibuprofen could have cured him. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, oh man, if only we had discovered just, penicillin mm, before the 1940s. Mm, this mercury should cure my headache. Ah, uh, what's wrong? Well, well, we'll just go ahead and give you some liquid cocaine and call it a day. Ooh, you have a sore arm. Let's try bloodletting. Let's go ahead and put some leeches on that guy. Mm, put some leeches on it. your penis. That should solve your brain problems. That'll solve the swelling. <laughs> his health began to fail and his work rate slowed in 1790. He got better, though, and in 1791, alone, composed the most famous, the Magic Flute, the Requiem, which he never finished, and the Clarinetto. Con- clarinetto. <laughs> clarinetto and the clarinet concerto on concluding the magic flute mozart turned to work on what was his last project the requiem this mass had been commissioned by a benefactor said to have been unknown to mozart and he is supposed to and he is supposed to have become obsessed with the belief that he was in effect writing it for himself Ill and exhausted, he managed to finish the first two movements and sketches for several more, but the last three sections were entirely lacking. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart died in Vienna in 1791, just before his 36th birthday. He was 35 and died. Bruh. 35? From from multiple things. Like, even back then, 35 is not that old. <laughs> well, remember when we were, wa- we're we- we've been watch- rewatching The Nick. Oh, it's yeah. On HBO we're, we're, the- they're like, the, the, we're living now to the age of 47. <laughs> yeah, they're getting excited because the average age is raised to 47. <laughs> 1920s ass. Jesus. At the 1910s, time of- technically, 1910s. At the time of his death, Mozart was widely regarded not only as the greatest composer of the time, but also as a bold and difficult one, especially was seen as complex and dissonant, and his chamber music as calling for outstanding skill in its interpreters. The traditional image of a child prodigy turned refined drawing room composer who could miraculously conceive an entire work in his head before ever setting pen to paper. Always a distortion of the truth. What? That, that, that's that's okay. accurate, you know? Like, 
whatever he wrote, it's probably what wasn't really going on in his actual head. Like, think about that. He could only put pen to paper so quickly. Right, exactly. Think so about you've, like, got, you've got so many thoughts going on at once. You're all these got notes the whole you're seeing. You're like hearing the melody. Like you hear you hear Mozart's music, and you're like, "Wow, that's like insane that that was this time. How amazing, beautiful." And then you think about like what notes he was missing because he couldn't write fast enough. It's crazy. Couldn't write those fucking notes fast enough. It's insane. Couldn't play it fast enough. Or or you're playing it and then you forget what you just played. So you have to like come up with something else and the place of it. Yeah. It, there's so many ways that could have uh, kind of missed out. You know what I mean? There's some little things we've missed out on. This gave way to the image of the serious and painstaking creative artist with acute human insight whose complex psychology demanded exploration by writers, historians, and scholars. No matter how beloved and world-renowned a person can be, one of the most famous musical composers of all time loved a good poop joke, tongue-punching a fart box, and shitting on those he loved. That he did. That he did. Oh! I hope you guys learned something today. Stoney, did you learn something today? Uh, I learned, once again, by the same judgment I had the last time we talked about this, that I think... Poop fetishes are fucking dumb. So that's my two cents and takeaway. Two cents of the entire thing. Yep. Yep. Mine was his full fucking name. Yeah. His His goddamn Johannes Christosimus Wolfgang Amadeus Theophilus Mozart. That fucking, like, did y'all know that? I didn't know that until I didn't didn't know he had eight names. I didn't either. I also think my favorite, um, Part in in the letter um, was when uh, God, I gotta read it again because it's so funny. Uh, when or he says keep that, saying muck 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 muck. That that I think that's Stony's fave. My favorite one is the one where he goes. The only thing I regret is that I can't stay with you and fondle your butt, kiss your hand, and shoot off my gun in your butt. <laughs> Yeah, I want to shoot my gun in your bum, in your yeah. arse. No, he said, I will then inspect you front to rear. I will take you all around, and if necessary, will enfold you. The only thing I regret is that I can't stay with you. Will fondle Infold. your arse, kiss your hands, shoot off my gun in your rear, embrace you, and fold you back and front. I love that. Fold you back and front. I love that. I love that. The shoot, shoot off my gun in your rear. Yeah, that's something. God, so he's going to be walking around the house and he's going to come up behind me and whisper in my ear. I'm going to shoot. shoot my gun off in your rear. <laughs> Here's a new phrase, guys. Fuck. Yeah, that's dirty talk right there. Hey. Up here. So if you guys are uh, ever getting uh, touchy, touchy, feely, feely with your uh, A partner and or your significant other and or just a random human Feel free to use some of this. <laughs> or dirty yourself. Talk. Or yourself, yeah. Or yourself. Feel free to use some of this dirty talk. Um, I hope you guys learned some new lingo because I think it will definitely, uh, if you say a little poetry and a little style of Mozart's letters, maybe you might get laid. Maybe. Send that text. Send that risky text. This is what I'm talking about. Mozart yeah, was sure. out here sending letters. Make sure uh, if you send a risky text, you say you're going to shoot your gun in their rear. Not, not even that, but the fact that these are letters that Mozart didn't think everyone was just going to keep, and here we are in the 21st century talking about them, reading them, right? Right? Correct. Correct. That, that risky text, doesn't matter. Send it. Send that risky text. No one's going to read that, except for the person that... You're sending it to you. Your Mozart is public letters. All right. If you want to read more of Mozart's letters, literally just uh, look up Mozart scat letters and you can read the full things. These are just some of the passages from it, but it was the full things are crazy. Like I said, there's 39 of them that mention poop that mention farts. He loved, he loved farts. I will say that was like one. It's it, it mentions it a lot in the movie as well, and, and like in the plays that uh, Amadeus is about. But the fart jokes in that movie are consistent. But he really like he loved farts, 
You know, I think think about it now. If he enjoyed scat, he probably loved had a farting fetish too. Hundred percent. He probably loved like, come here, I want you to fart in my mouth. Let me eat that fart. He was a fart eater. Mmm, <laughs> delicious beef stew. Delicious. Nom 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 nom. Okay, well, I think that wraps up um, our sexual deviants of history, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart episode. I hope I you guys. Believe so. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, this episode and you learned something new, had some giggles, um, some laughs. Feel free to tell us your favorite parts because I thoroughly enjoy uh, reading y'all's messages about things that you relate to in each episode or like you guys tell me stories. Trust me, I read them. Don't worry. Um, me or Stoney read them, technically. One of us will read them. And it's always a fun little giggle for us because you guys uh, are always like, I like this part or... Something something in your life relates to what we were talking about. Um, but yeah, other than that, what an episode. What a stink-filled episode. Stink-filled. Stinky boy. He, you know what? When you come to think about it, since everything was stinky, he was, he was having a great time. The entire, like, everywhere. Yeah, everything smelled like shit. So he was always just he, he was, was like brick, mm, he was this dude was hard. this dude was bricked up the entire time he was writing these sympathies 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 symphonic works of art. Oh my god! Yeah, so he's like walking outside, bricked, bricked up, thinking about like clarinets and shit. <laughs> Ooh yeah! Oh go, god, Whoa. let me. Let me put that clarinet in your butt and shit it out. <laughs> let me blow. Let me put the clarinet bell in your ass let me and let me blow into it. Oh my god! Absolutely. Let me play some notes into your butthole. Here, put this uh, at this one time at Bandcamp. That's Mozart. He would love all the weird things that you see on the internet, like girls getting you know golf balls putted into their buttholes. He would love that. <laughs> oh my god! Imagine- he would love that. <laughs> Oh my god, imagine someone fucking Mozart modern day anal porn. You're oh, telling me you, you're telling me that I can put a croquet mallet in someone's ass. You're telling me that this 42-inch dildo fits all the way up into somebody? Inside of them, yep, 100%. And they pull it out no problem? Yep, and then it just goes back to normal like nothing happened. You're telling me that this guy put a whole jar up his ass? He, you you mean to tell me this guy put a jar in his ass and then proceeded <laughs> to break it? And oh. there's blood? That's a new thing I haven't discovered. Yeah, that'd be, hmm. that, that would just be right up that alley oh for God. him. I had to say the jar joke. Yeah. I had to. Always. If, if there's ever an opportunity to make a one guy, one jar reference, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. All right, folks. Um, Stony, where could the good scat fetish people find you? Um, nowhere, Girl. and you can flip <laughs> off and die. Don't um, say that. Anyway, don't say for that. all the other people out there who don't like poo poo play, you can find <laughs> me everywhere at Stony Robbins or at oh. Stony Robbins underscore. And all the poo poo people can go find Conway. Where can they find you at? All the poo poo people can come find me at. ConwayTitty.com. That is Conway T I T T Y dot com. That is where you can find all of my stuff. I don't do poo poo play, but if you are a poo poo person, come spend Gross. your monies on me, anyways. Gross. I will not do the poo poo play, but if that's you your fetish, you, you can, can we, we can fantasize and you can tell me all about your fantasies and message me those on my platforms, pain platforms only. Do not message me your fucking fantasies in my fucking Instagram DMs, you crazy people. All right. I think that's all. We'll see you guys on the next episode. All right. Bye, shitheads. Literally shitheads. Uh, Take care. Get some sleep. Stay hydrated. And we'll see you later. All right. Bye-bye.